coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. If I say to her, hey, you want to go to breakfast? See how giddy she got. <laughs> I mean, that is organic for real. Like, hey, you want to go to breakfast? She's like, are you going to breakfast? You got to take me to breakfast? And it's, and I think she thinks it feels so special because she knows that I really don't want to go. I mean, I want to go with her, but I don't want to eat breakfast. You know what I mean? We find that there's alternative times that you can get into that. So you don't have to always do a traditional, what the world or what you thought was a date Mm -hmm. night. You just need to create time and space for, for development of intimacy. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And do you ever have those people that you look at from afar and you're like, how do they do it? How do they do marriage and parenting and career and ministry and all the things? And I've just looked in awe at Jermone and Erica Glenn for such a long time and had to work up my courage to ask them to just kind of sit under their ministry. Um, And so as we are in love month, we've had a lot of stories about overcoming hard things um, and not that they haven't by any means and nobody has arrived, um, but I just really respect their marriage. And I thought it would be so fun to grab a cup of coffee and just listen to how to continue dating in your marriage and keeping it fresh and alive. So yeah, I have mine too. (laughs) Um, So thank you for being our guests. They're so bougie that they're speaking for another conference right now as they're taking a minute to be our guest today. So thank you guys. (laughs) Thank you for having us. We're so glad that you invited us. We love you so so much. much and we're so honored. Uh, to be a part of this time with you and uh, your audience and everything you're building. You are so, so, so insightful. And uh, it's just always a joy to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, everyone is helped and they're better when they're in your presence. Most and vice versa. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard both of you speak. You're incredible on your own. And then together okay. you're dynamite. It's unstoppable. It's amazing. Um, so did you always know how you were going to set the culture of your marriage? How did the genesis of dating inside your marriage start for you guys? I would say, um, I won't say we always knew. I would have to say we're very intentional. My husband is extremely intentional. Um, how we met and uh, how we established our goals are very intentional. He's always been um, the uh, the leader in all of that, uh, even as we were, I won't say, yeah, as we were single, he was very intentional about that. And I, that was one of the main reasons why I married him is because he had a family plan. He had a family goal and he has, um, he has uh, added to that year by year in our marriage. But I can definitely say um, who we are today is because of his leadership and because of his foresight and because of his vision. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> I would say that I would say that intentionality was birthed out of a deficit. You know, like in our own growing up, both of us yeah. did not see our parents uh, dating, showing intimacy. 
uh, being snuggled, you know, hug, huggy hug, you know, which our kids hate when we do it, but, <laughs> hate, we but secretly love. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but we didn't have it, but yet and still marriage is model, right? You yeah. get to learn about marriage through a model. And so Erica's uh, grandparents were married for over 40 years. Uh, wow. And so our entry point of our relationship while we were older in life, uh, that some would say to get married over past our thirties. Um, and we knew what we grew up without, but what we wanted within our marriage. Mm. Uh, thankfully, we had the model of her grandparents who uh, we were their shadows or their chaperones, whichever way you want to put it. <laughs> <laughs> we would drive them around yeah. and hang out with them with intentional time. We traveled with them doing ministry. Our grandfather's a bishop. And so we we traveled with them. Uh, they were up uh, past their 70s. You know what I'm saying? Grandma's still here with us. She She's 90 now, 91, 91. And, uh, and Papa, he passed on, uh, but left such a legacy in us. We would go to dinner with them. We would sit with them. We would ride in the car with them, listen to how they talk and communicate with each listen other. Listen to their arguments. Listen to their arguments, <laughs> listen to their, their heated discussions. Heated discussions. Uh, we, would, we would watch, you know, as time got older, she was his primary caregiver. So she would mm -hmm. cook dinner. She would cook his breakfast every day. You know what I'm saying? At the house. And then sometimes she didn't want to cook. So they would want to go out to dinner. So that would be a date, you know? So we would jump in the car and be like, we'll drive you, you know? And just hanging out with them is kind of how we saw, yeah. wow, at 70 plus, they're still intentional about spending time with each other outside the house or traveling together we want that and so it was out of the deficit of our own experiences but the exposure out of their experiences that we really were like let's grab that let's not wait till later and let's be that intentional so that's, that's so good that's so good yeah. so if we don't have it in our immediate circle or immediate family or even our past experience maybe some people yeah. are coming out of a toxic relationship or something so getting yeah. around those who are healthy and it does create a culture of how you do it more than just like a five point steps but you learn osmosisly with the right mentors right. and people to look up to. That's right. Sometimes we we opt out because we saw I didn't grow up with it, mm -hmm. but you can still find it or see it. Or even as you said so graciously in your intro that you watched us from afar. You Absolutely. Can find Right. that's inspired that inspires your marriage or that you want to you know marriage is is modeled through mentoring through seeing and once you get that exposure or even uh when you realize what you lack that you can go for it to add it in your culture yeah, yeah. I, I think the i think the thing for couples is to be honest about what you lack and, and not feel bad about that that's and right. then desire that that's what you want yeah and then when you when you make that choice then it's easy for you to kind of look or to find or to read because there that there's a longing in your heart for that mm -hmm. and so I think if couples will reconcile you know we just didn't see it and we're okay with not seeing it but we want right. something we want something different yeah. yeah and then once once uh once uh papa passed on uh then thankfully after some years we had to practice kind of in the dark so to speak you mm -hmm. know because we didn't have a uh we didn't have a model a picture anymore so we were functioning off of notes and memories and relationships and thankfully we still could ask grandma and she would you know keep us sharp i always tease my wife anytime she she's not acting you know right i'm, like, I'm gonna call grandma you know what I'm 
know what I'm saying? Because grandma is such a woman of, of virtue and standard and still, at, like I said, at 91, still adding value to our lives. Mm -hmm. But our pastors, uh, and, and uh, we met we met this great couple who are our pastors, Dr. Uh, Martin and Linnell Williams. Uh, they then begin to model yeah. another face because they have children and they're in ministry mm -hmm. and uh, they are business owners and they uh, run a church and so they begin to model for us how to do it yeah. with children how to do it with the family because now mm -hmm. it was easier when it was just you know when we were floating yeah. around uh, with limitation with, with a limited uh, uh, cargo right but now we have a family of five yeah. and a church and responsibilities and uh and separate passion you know she's working she was working outside you know her, the house and I'm working in ministry and we're doing all of these things and we're like okay so how do you do it now right because mm -hmm. in evolution of marriage how you do it in the beginning is not necessarily how you do it later so then thankfully again we sought out not just waited for it to drop on our lot by osmosis or something mm -hmm. but we thought out what we were looking for as my wife said what we lacked and what we wanted to understand and God put them in our lives and we watched the simplicity of little things they do like go to breakfast every Friday morning yeah. you know what I'm saying their date isn't a night date it's yeah. not a travel date it's just a breakfast date on Friday mornings and that Friday morning uh, build some consistency. So we were like, okay, so it doesn't have to be night and dress up all the time. Mm -hmm. You can be flexible. You can be fluid and find out what you like. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so in our more busier times, I'll be intentional about that. I'm not a breakfast person at all, but my wife loves, loves, loves breakfast. And so if I say to her, hey, you want to go to breakfast? See how giddy she got? <laughs> I mean, that is organic for real like <laughs> hey you want to go to breakfast she's like we going to breakfast you're going to take me to breakfast and it's and i think she thinks it feels so special because she knows that i really don't want to go i mean i want to go with her but i don't want to eat breakfast you know what i mean and so uh we find that there's alternative times that you can get into that so you don't have to always do a traditional right. what the world or what date you thought night. was a date mm -hmm. night you just yeah. need to create time and space for for development of intimacy yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of couples may even have to stay home because maybe they have small children and they can't babysit. So how would you encourage somebody to date creatively at home? Like what is the, you know, just sitting by each other watching TV is a lot of people's consistency of what they're dating. Um, what do you think are the ingredients of it actually being a nutritious date that feeds the soul in the relationship? What are some That's of the things that they would be intentional to do? I would definitely say um you have to have an opportunity to be able to conversate mm -hmm. that's why breakfast yes. or you know a date a date going to dinner allows you to have that connectivity and to be able to talk going to the movies uh, because you're just watching a movie unless you're like sitting in the bed watching a movie you can hear pause to have conversation about different things yeah but and or if one of the couple's love language is uh quality time mm -hmm. then that could be right. feeding something uh on a deeper level it's not really getting information but it might be meeting an emotional need yeah and then the other thing especially with small children um we were just talking to somebody about this that you know put the kids to bed 
like <laughs> literally put them in like, the bed. Like we realized, yeah, like, go to bed. We realized that a lot of people with children, they their children don't have a bedtime. So give your kid a bedtime and let them understand that it's parent time. Parent time. It's, parent you know, time. when our kids were young, it was a dance and it was like, this isn't funny. We was like, we don't care. It's parent time. Don't get in the bed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's what you're doing. And so then you can get into your room and you can have like a security board or whatever and, and just have an intimate moment with each other without the children. And I know that it can be very difficult when you have small children, but that cannot be the excuse. You yeah. do have to make time for your mate. And those are ways, you know, you can have it inside of your room or you can go get a babysitter. You can have somebody come to your house. Like it's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but you know, it's not always about going out. It can just simply, it's really pulling away. I told my husband, for women, most of the time with date night, it's the intentionality. You can kind of take me almost to Burger King or McDonald's if you have pulled the kids, the kids going where they need to go and you have pulled me away. It's the, you thought about it, you planned it. And then my husband said on the other side, Sometimes it's not about the man planning everything. Sometimes it's about the woman planning something so that that she, so that she he, her husband can see that she's intentional or she can initiate a date with her husband. Which mm -hmm. is great, especially if your husband is a decision maker or always making decisions, always making plans, always working where he's putting, you know, pushing out, pushing out, pushing mm -hmm. out and creating uh, atmospheres. The surprise is when my wife uh, takes the simplicity of a thing, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that is, uh, uh, lighting of the candle, uh, turn down service, you know, like in my house, I really appreciate one of my love languages is acts of service. So the simplicity of before we go to bed, when I hit the room, my wife will take the time to take the pillows off and turn the bed down and light my candle and, you know, had a room lit in a certain way. And I walk into that environment. For me, it's not saying sex all the time. It's saying, I knew you were coming and I prepared your room, your atmosphere in the way that brings you in and brings you down. And when I hit the door, it's not, how, what happened today? And who's, what's the matter? So I don't have to relive that. So it's that, I think uh, that developing or that doing a date where it could creates a deeper level of intimacy is about knowing what your spouse needs and then creating that it's not always what you think it is you know mm -hmm. it's not always a gift and dressing out and going out sometimes that's exhausting sometimes mm -hmm. they don't need that they need mm -hmm. to you to get all the kids out and just let the room and the house be settled so I think it's it's that like it's that space where you understand what the other person needs, not just what you want to give them, you know, and then that is creating a deeper connection in your marriage. And that's that's how we have learned over time to keep it creative or mm -hmm. to keep it a variety because it's not always going to be the same thing. It's mm -hmm. not always the, the same restaurant. It's not always going out to dance. It's not always going to a movie. It's not always going breakfast, going to breakfast. Sometimes it's just discovering what you need and giving you that, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? as a date or on a date, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I, I just want to say three things and you can put, pull them out. But uh, number one, dating develops, develops your marriage, right? So dating is the thing 
that develops. It's your, it's the way your marriage continues to evolve. So dating develops your marriage. So the more you date, then the more you move from here to there, the more you discover, the more you understand about the other person. We define dating number two as collecting data right? So anytime you are dating, you're collecting data. So when you're married, you're still pulling information, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to discover what they want, what they need, how you can meet that need. And then of course, number three, dating uh, deepens intimacy. It deepens intimacy. And intimacy is not just sex, it's empathy, it's Mm -hmm. vulnerability. You know, it's, it's let me understand you, what you want, what you need, what's hurting you, what I said wrong, what I could say better. It's not the time to bring up all the problems, but the intimacy is this, this space of vulnerability, this time of, I could do this without you, but I choose to do this with you, Mm -hmm. right? This is, I could go to dinner without you, but I'd rather go to dinner with you. I could be without you in this space, but I choose to be with you. and that is a sense of creating a vulnerability. We're both firstborns. And so the thing that we've learned in our marriage over time is because we are firstborns, we are pretty independent and mm-hmm. self-sufficient, right? And so we found a, a spot in our marriage where we had to learn how to mm-hmm. allow ourselves to need each other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And beyond your physical body, need you emotionally, need your conversation. I can do the things that I need done for me, myself, she can as well. So how do you, so that, that vulnerability, that intimacy, deepening your intimacy creates this bond as you are needing or finding yourself in a need space for your spouse. And so it, it deep, it develops your marriage data. Dating is collecting data and it deepens uh, the intimacy in your marriage. So how do you stay fresh when human nature, we tend to be selfish and we tend to get offended and then want to self-protect. And it's really hard to be generous and to want to collect data and to want to be intentional and intimate with somebody who just hurt my feelings or disappointed me. How have you been able to create a culture around just being human, not being perfect, and yet still being able to invest intentionally? Um, I would have to say for me, (laughs) for me. Uh, what had, what I have done is that if my husband brings something to me that he doesn't care for, he doesn't like, and I used to get in my feelings <clears throat> a whole lot when that was done, you know, cause I'm like, I'm the firstborn. Nobody tells <laughs> me anything. And just because I'm married to you doesn't mean that you should be de- telling me stuff about myself. But then uh, <clears throat> in my quiet time, I realized that he's the only person that can show me myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's the only person that can sharpen me because there was nobody else in my life that I would give that freedom to. And there's nobody in my life that I think would even step to the challenge to do that. <clears throat> the other thing is that uh, if I get upset with him or if he shows something to me or whatever, I always go, uh, I, I always go to God and I'll be like, you know what? There's probably there's probably a lot of things that I'm doing that's going to make him not feel comfortable or not make him feel the best. And I can't believe that he woke up this morning to jack up my life. 
He woke up this morning to hurt me. That's not what he, that, that's not his intention. And he said that to me early on in marriage. He was like, do you trust me? Do you believe I have your best interest at heart? So whatever I say to you is not to hurt you. It's really to help you to be the better person that I believe that you can be. And I need you to be uh, in a space where you can, you can receive that. And I would say, you know, at first it was crying. It was tears, you know, me, no, go ahead, please finish, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think as women, sometimes we forget that, you know, that we are, um, you know, we're a product of Eve and um, Eve could be deceptive and that tears can be deceptive and it can cause the conversation to derail or go somewhere else with my tears because I don't want to really deal with what you're saying. And so I had to learn that that was what it was. And I had to admit that to my husband that don't look at my tears. It's just, uh, and I'm just kind of manipulating the situation. And you had to be honest with yourself about that. And so I think the intentionality of just knowing that marriage takes work, knowing that marriage takes time, knowing that it's not, um, it's not a, it's not a, a relay race, uh, that it's a marathon and that every single day, every single moment, you're working to learn this person. You're working to become more one. And when you put that in your head, this is not my, my husband always says the time, this is not my girlfriend or my boyfriend. This is my husband. This is my wife. I am in covenant with them. So no, it's not going to happen overnight. And no, everything is not going to be roses. But if I have the, uh, in my heart to make sure that I have the best marriage that I can have, that's work. And that's going to require me to work. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think that if I'm, I mean, in the process of this, okay. So by nature, I'm a developer. I create things. I'm, you know, I'm an architect mm -hmm. in the sense that I'm a builder. I'm not going to be building all these things outside of my relationship and not building the most important, in my opinion, human relationship yeah. that I have. This is the most important human relationship that I have. And so with that comes a level of needing to understand marriage, as she said, marriage is work and being willing to do the work. I think the challenge is because my wife is also my business partner, because we also do ministry together, because we travel together. Mm -hmm. uh, while I don't want to segregate my life, you know, I want it to be cohesive. I want to find that harmony. I also don't want to blend all the moments together, right? Mm. So, so dating time is not conflict time. You know, uh, it's not the time uh, when we're on our sila days. I have a sila day, a Sabbath day, and we remind you, we're not talking about ministry. This is not the day. So for the audience, what do you think that means? How would they translate? What is a Selah day or a Sabbath day? Oh, that's, just a, that's just a day where I pause and reflect. Selah means pause and reflect. So that's the day where I kind of pause and reflect. It's not, about, it's not about work. It's not about business. It's not about the house. It's just being. She and I being resting. It's restorative. Mm -hmm. And so because it it's all does this, Sometimes, you know, we would just naturally find ourselves talking or navigating about everything else besides each other. And we will, I will remind her, hey, this is not the time for us to talk about that. So I, so that intentionality comes that when I'm on a date, it's not the time to bring up my disappointments. And on a date is not the time to bring up my, uh, my, the bills or the family or who angered me or whatever. 
this is about our time. And so I, while, while I don't want to segregate my life, I don't want this constant overlap in everything. So dating time is also segmented time where I make it about our marriage. I make it about her. I make it about me. I make it about us. And I make it about our marriage. So even though maybe we didn't do anything special, the time was sacred and it felt special because it was not crowded by other people or other ideas or other, other outside influences, right? It's about us. And so I'm very intentional in building our relationship that this is a time of building. This is dating is a time where we're building us. So it's like, what do you want and what do you need? And where are you right now? And am I doing a great job? And is this the marriage that you always desired? And am I the husband that you prayed for when you were single and saying, oh God, I want to get married? Like, am I am I that guy? You know what I'm saying? Or am I not that guy? You know what I mean? And so that can that can feel problematic. But if I was on a date and we weren't married, I would be interested in her. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't go on a date with somebody when you're not married and all they talk about is them, you know, because you'd be like, oh, this is a narcissist. I don't want to be with them. Our whole marriage is going to be about them. So I'm very intentional when I'm on a date with her or when I'm dating her in that dating space that is real. What's up with you? How are you? What do you want? What do you need? Yeah. You know, and in our marriage, it can be a tug of war because I'm like, where do you want to eat? She's like, well, where do you want to eat? I'm like, no, where do you want to eat? No, I don't care. I can eat anything. What do you want to eat? And so she's trying to find out what I need while I'm trying to find out what she needs. And it's really that level of understanding. This is the most important human relationship that I have and I need to nurture it and develop it. And that's not going to be random. That's so good. So Erica, I'm hearing you say you had to preset your uh, attributions. Attributions are the word in psychology where I'm attributing why you're doing what you're doing. So the brain will naturally fill in the gaps. We do mind reading where you're doing that because, and at the beginning of a relationship, it's because you like me and you think about me, but in later in relationships, we found that the attributions tend to get real negative. You're doing right. that because you don't care about me. You're taking advantage of me. You don't respect me. Um, you're prioritizing everyone and everything else, but me. And so those attributions get really dangerous. And when I was doing my doctoral dissertation, we would interview couples and the biggest factor, not the quantitative, like number research, all those are great. But when the one biggest factor was the attribution. So if a couple looked back at their early beginning and they're like, Oh my gosh, we were so poor, but we just lived in like this shanty and it was just us and it was just so sweet. And we had like two pennies to rub together, but you know, cardboard, but we just made it work somehow versus yeah. the exact same attribution, right? So the same story, but a different attribution saying, and he couldn't even provide and you couldn't keep it dirt out of the shanty or whatever, like the negative attribution creates filters. And then everything else my spouse does from that point forward is now created through that attribution. So Erica, so I love that you pointed out that. And then Erica, you made such a great second point when you said there's many times male and female, we can 
can manipulate each other and a conversation by either bowing up, getting angry or crying. And we derail the conversation. And now we bring up six years ago garbage instead of the actual conversation being able to thoroughly be processed. And what that does is it actually glitches the brain. So you're sending way too many signals. You're opening too many browser windows metaphorically. And yeah. so now we're just left confused and frustrated. Neither us neither of us feel heard and known. And so I love that you said I had to look at myself, which is super brave. Most of us don't want to do that. We always want to blame the other person, but to say, okay, my feelings are doing this, but I don't want to manipulate the conversation or derail it just because I'm uncomfortable or because I'm used to being right. And I'm not used to having someone point out when I'm not right. That doesn't feel good. And I would say for men as well, there's a lot of men that stomp out of the room or they get really angry and they make themselves big um, or they give the silent treatment on both sides i've seen it where couples really undervalue their marriage by putting themselves and their emotions over the agenda the conversation and letting that just be thoroughly processed and then finally resolved so good Mm -hmm. good. that was that was that was that was was excellent very good yeah and we would (laughs) We would early on in our marriage in the hard conversations, not the dating times, but just in the hard conversations where we're trying to develop as a couple, we would, we learned that not in that clinical um, uh, uh, language. Great explanation. But we learned that through painful, arduous conversation, intentionality, tears, fighting through, understanding that, yo, we're not going to be here and now what we're talking about is not what we're talking about and leave a conversation that was meant to heal more hurt, you know, because now we're frustrated and or interpreting, right? So we would make this early rule in our marriage, do not interpret for me. You know, my wife is a teacher. Uh, so by nature, it is, it is her intentionality or also bigger than a teacher. She's a woman, which I would always say oh in, in girls school, they teach you that men can't communicate or articulate their feelings. So you're always trained to read in between or behind <laughs> what you think we're saying. And I'm like, you marry a communicator. I am not that guy. I can communicate and articulate exactly what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything around it, under it, behind it, or beneath it. Please hear me for what I'm communicating and do not run off with an interpretation of what you thought I said. That is not what I said. And then you're frustrated about something that we're not even talking about. And so uh, she would, in the lesson of hearing back in our conversation, we learned to communicate by repeating what I, like what you said, when you mm-hmm. summarize what I heard you say is, or what I think I heard you say, and yeah. we would practice that in a, in a, in a, in a way until we could hear back our voice in the other person's mouth mm. right, and what they're saying and then we will move forward and then a lot of times the misunderstanding the the frustration that the enemy will weave in there would would derail the intimacy or the intent or the day i, I don't want to now we ain't going or i don't want to hang out or i don't want to be with you because now there's tension because you're frustrated yeah. because you're disappointed because you know you didn't really hear the other person so we 
we we will work very hard at that and and learn how to communicate and when we would find ourselves running up against that wall we challenge each other to try to use our language instead yeah. of our emotion to uh, communicate and express our feelings that's so I good think, I, and also you know we we i won't say coin the phrase but in those difficult conversations uh, when you're talking about selfishness it's like you want to be married or do you want to be right? And I think people have to make that make that decision because you can walk away feeling like, oh, I, I won that, I won that argument. But then your husband is feeling like crap because you won the argument versus being married, versus knowing that this conversation can make or break us, really. There are some marriages that are like conversations is, is breaking them down or it can build us up. Something that could break us down, but in that conversation, we build each other up because we're honest about where we are, how that made me feel. And then coming to coming to a place where we can see the light. We, don't, we didn't see it this way. But if, when I heard you and you heard me, now we can see it differently and we can move on in a different space in our relationship, move to another level. And I, when I talk about when, when I say a marriage is work, that's the work because it's easy to be selfish and it's easy to shut down and it's easy to cry and walk away and be angry and get nothing of it. It's harder to sit there. It takes grown people to sit and have a conversation about something that doesn't make me feel comfortable and then walk away loving each other because what people fail to realize is that when you get into that space where your uh, quote unquote argument or, or whatever, you look at different sides. If you stay in the conversation on the other side of it, you become stronger yes. and you look at your, get yeah, right. It causes you to be intimate because me breaking down, losing my selfishness is causing me to expose myself. So me breaking down is actually going to allow me to be able to see you in a way that I haven't seen you before. And for me to gain something that I never gained before that causes me to be stronger and also causes our relationship relationship to be stronger. Yeah. And it's, it's these reasons why people don't date, right? Because if they don't communicate outside of a date, but you have something to say that you haven't said, you're afraid that it's going to leak out at the wrong moment. So you avoid each other when yeah. you really desire something deeper, you but you desire like, intimacy. yeah, you like, I don't really want to go because I'm got to sit there with you. We can't play on our phones. And if I can't, I can't just be this deep in a relationship uh, and, and, and having perfunctory uh, conversations, conversations, right? Where I'm patronizing you and we're not talking about, I got something real that I need to say, but I'm sitting here talking about how's your steak? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it feels so shallow. It feels so shallow. It feels so, yeah. so avoidant. So, so, so marriages, when they have something to say that they have not said in the proper way will avoid one-on-one -on -one uninterrupted no distracted time because it will result in a conversation at the wrong time so mm. if you're not putting in the healthy dialogue where you can communicate and challenge outside of date times then you won't go on a date because going on a date is just you and that person and you can't fake that you're happy about your marriage when you really have a level of uncomfortability because you got eight things that you need to discuss that you haven't discussed. And right now is not the best time for the marriage. So now you just hold it in, suppress it. It's a fake night. It's not a date night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you avoid the fake night. Be, yeah. And so eventually you don't have a date night. And now that's three months and six months and two years and five years. And it's easier to avoid uh, you 
on that level because I have so much to say to you that I'm not I'm not sure how to say and I'm not sure that I'll be heard. And so uh, having these times where you can really communicate and hear each other outside of dating, then you can go on a date and really communicate and, and enjoy really the enjoy time it. and enjoy the time because you're not trying to talk about what you needed to talk about at and a different time because you already talked about it. So good. So Dr. Jamon, you have just laid out so much. So I've been trying to like mentally track it and be like, okay, and so I want to highlight right- Each of these points are so good. Both of you guys are ridiculous. I love it. Okay. So I'm hearing you say we need to have rhythms that we have time where we have the downtime. Because I could hear a lot of couples just internally going, oh gosh, I'm supposed to date them all the time. Like I'm an introvert. I give out all the time. Like how in the world am I going to do that? So I love this thought that we have a Sabbath where we don't bring problems. We don't bring a bunch of emotion or issues. We just truly have a time to unplug and to rest. And as much as I believe in that, I think most of our culture is like, yeah, that's, that's like a luxury we can't afford. We always have to be going, but I see how busy you guys are. I mean, you're juggling multiple areas of life that are always going. And yet you've intentionally set a Sabbath culture where it just means a day that people take off and like mental space and not a lot of demands. I'm also hearing you say in order to get to the date and the fun ice cream part of the relationship, we've got to have the protein part of the relationship of having the hard conversations, chewing through things. And for a lot of us, we're conflict avoidant. I don't want to have that conversation. I'm I'm afraid it's not going to go well. You're not going to understand. It's going to go like it did last time. And many times when I ask couples, well, how have you already had this conversation at home? They say, well, we've talked about it a thousand times and they're just like brushing me off. And I'm like, but how, like what body language, what tone were you hangry, you know, hungry and tired, like people interrupting, like what was going on when you're trying to communicate that they're pointing at each other podcast community. (laughs) Um, So there's so many factors of how we say that. And am I speaking just to be heard because I'm like at my last wits end. And now the volcano of emotion and content comes at the person. Or am I trying to soften the approach so that I'm saying, hey, with curiosity and humility, here's what I'm experiencing. What's your experience of the same situation instead of interpreting or attributions where I'm mind reading what they're doing. And by sitting through that, I have some couples that I'll give the analogy, um, like getting offended feels good to the flesh. Being like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. And now I'm ruminating and on the outside, I may look like I'm listening, but I'm really preparing my next argument of how I'm right. And that's like cotton candy. Like it's really sweet to the flesh. It feels good, righteous indignation, but it has no nutritional value. It's empty. It will cause more sickness in the long run. While protein of choosing not to be offended. Maybe the person said something you didn't like. Maybe it triggered you. It hit a raw nerve. But if you can internally say, I'm going to stay in this conversation. I'm going to lean into relationship with you. I'm going to stay in my heart space instead of going into the defense mechanism of my mind where I'm armoring up my argument. 
Instead, if I'm down here and I'm saying, hey, I want to hear your heart, I'm going to lean into that. And if people can release the emotion, which we call catharsis, that deep emotion, like the gut cry or anger or whatever, and if they can get that out and at the other end, they now see your face is compassionate and caring and understanding, you have literally just done a breach and a repair. And so now neurochemically, I associate your face with someone who understands and cares about me versus I've just shared my guts and the other person is like, yeah, well, you do that too. And it's like, okay, neurochemically, I just feel like misunderstood and like, you don't get me. And why would I even share my heart again? Brilliant. Absolutely. That's powerful. Yeah. And when you talk about that rhythm, so I hear people, I hear the the community saying, well, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. That goes back to the simple discipline that my wife said of put the kids to bed. Usually children are up as late as adults nowadays. That's ridiculous. Or in your bed or sleeping in your bed. So when do you find the rhythm for these conversations? You find the rhythm for these conversations at breakfast or at lunch or at dinner or after everyone goes to bed it should be even if it's not a bedtime it's a room time go to your room go to their room at a certain time prepare yourself because they need space from each other they need space from us they need their own time to wind down what is your so all of our children have their own routines of what they do when they're winding down for bed and it's not right 15 minutes before they go to bed. Our children, I would say, are on a habit of at least one hour Mm -hmm. before it's time for their bedtime that they go to their rooms, which means that that's an hour before we go to sleep. We're not rushing to bed to have sex all the time. It's just a time for us. Not only that, it's like I would honestly say in the rhythm of those communicative times that you have is that you have opportunity um, at, at at, at nighttime or to just uh, decompress, to, right. to, to be able to, to hear each other, to be able to talk in a tone that is respectful and honorable. And it doesn't have to be a blow up if you know, and you don't have to do it in a disruptive time in the day. If I know that before I go to bed, I got an hour or so with my wife, I don't have to call her in the middle of the day with something that she might be busy because it's bothering me right now. I can wait, but so many couples wait because they don't have a time to express that. And then they never get to express it. And then it's a powder can of emotions and, and resentment. The other thing I think that couples have to work very hard at in that same rhythm is go to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like go to bed. Like I, I tell to my the wife, same I bed, did, preferably. Exactly. Yeah, I tell my wife, I did not get. I'm a. It's in this. It was a. It was a point of communication for us because I'm a morning person and she's a night person. Mm-hmm. So I'm alive in the morning and she's not alive in the morning. And at night I go to bed, I'm sleepy and she comes alive. All of a sudden it's, a, it's this ball of energy that shows up in the evening. I'm like, what? The, it's time to go to bed. So, like- so we would have to remember <laughs> that we need to not go to sleep at the same time, but get in the same bed 
at the same time uh, or agree at least four times a week that we're getting in the bed because this, again, develops intimacy and it builds that rhythm that you're talking about. So if I have a constant rhythm, I can date, I can travel without with you, without stuff being a problem because I had these other times and days where I knew we could discuss things, set up meetings. And when it's really, really important, I say to my wife, I like to, I like to schedule some time to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Because she wants a heads up. She's like, I need don't blindside me. Yeah, don't roll, don't roll up on me. So I'll be like, hey babe, when you get some time this week, I'd like to get some time for us to talk about XYZ. She's like, all right, that's cool. Maybe Thursday night, you know, I'll get some time and I'll prepare that. So I give her time because I don't assume because I'm out and she in that she just got time. So I'm like, I give her time to build that in and I hold her accountable because she's also, like you said, conflict avoidant. So therefore, if she don't really want to discuss it, she won't bring it back up. And then I'm offended because I'm like, you said you was going to talk about a Thursday night. It's Saturday, you know, but but the 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 creating a time gave me also an opportunity for accountability to say, hey, it's Thursday. You ready? You know what I'm saying? And that's all she needed. She's not going to come bring it up. But and then if it's my meeting, what we call whoever calls the meeting gets to set the agenda and gets to start off in the communication. You know, you can't come to my meeting. Yeah, you can't come to my meeting and take over my meeting. If I ask for the meeting, then you don't get to talk first and talk more than me. You got to listen because you're trying to manipulate the conversation and flip it. It's my meeting. So if it's my meeting, you don't get to you don't get to run my meeting. <laughs> That's fantastic. Probably too much. Huh? It is. Right. No. Oh my gosh. It's so good and so real. Thank you. Yeah. So in the research, they call that like just a check-in, you know, that yeah. if we're not creating those regular check-ins mm -hmm. and ideally it would be once a week. Um, yeah. I love how you're setting it. Oh, this is my meeting. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's probably because I'm a meeting person, right? Yeah. <laughs> you use the language that makes sense to you. I love it. Um, so for our couples out there, we would encourage, again, a Sabbath, a time to just clear your head. You don't have to be on all the time to do the regular check-in, have the hard conversations, lean into the conflict in a healthy way from your heart of wanting to hear instead of just be heard. Um, and then having the time that you're actually just dating and pursuing each other. And that can be going on a walk in your neighborhood. It could be um, doing a craft or doing a project together if you're quality time. Um, it could be something fantastic outside the house or something fantastic in the house. Um, yeah. Breakfast in bed is fantastic. There's many yeah. times that you are missing, well, we are missing opportunities to connect just because we've kind of put it in a box that it needs to, a date night needs to look a certain way. Uh, when really you could be dating and courting each other throughout the day. So what are things when your life gets busy that you're able to just kind of have touch points? How do you stay fresh in your marriage and it stay flirty when you've got a thousand demands and yeah, you're going to have date night at some point this week, but like, there's a lot of week in between that. How do you stay fresh? I would say to stay fresh is to stay flirty. Yeah. I do not have uh, any problems or issues, probably more than my husband is comfortable with um, staying flirty <laughs> with him. Like it'd be at the, you know, oh not the God. most appropriate time, but I don't really care 
because what I what I what I vowed to myself when I got married, I wasn't gonna hold something in my head as a woman and not initiate it because of the way the world says it should be. If I have it in my head and it's what I want to do, why am I waiting? for that. I'm married and I'm in covenant. So I keep it very flirty with my husband, probably more than he would like to even admit. No, it's but but I I just do it. It's just we have little things that we could be in a room full of people <laughs> and I will just say something or that do only something. makes sense to that us. only makes sense to us. <laughs> and so I just think that you don't have to have this, you know, quote unquote moment you just make those moments. And when you, this is your husband, this is your wife. If you feel attracted or if they, you know, nope, he doesn't go out the house and, you know, nobody said, I don't say to him, you look nice just for the simple fact, because that's just who he is. He's going to always look nice, but I always tell him that he looks nice because he puts a lot of work into doing that. (laughs) And no woman is going to tell my husband he looks good before I do. So I don't know. I just kind of put those in in place. And so I think that's the way that I keep it fresh. And, you know, we do things in front of our kids to give them an example, but also to make them uncomfortable. We try to do that on purpose. Yeah. Yes. We do that on purpose because we want them to see um, a marriage that is flourishing and people that love each other. And what does that look like? Um, and not the world to dictate to them. That's a, a, a most of it. I would say the older they get, the more intentionality I am about flirting with him or mm. keeping it spicy in front of my kids because they're making, they're going to be starting making choices of who they want to be in a relationship with. And so our example is a little bit more prevalent now than ever. Yeah, mm. I, I, I was, I was, I would keep with the same answer. That's how we do it. We keep it flirty. And what that looks like is different for both of us, but that's what it is. You know, um, from my, my wife has this newfound uh, fascination with TikTok. Oh right my. Now. Uh, she, 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 I know it's old, but she just discovered TikTok. Like right I now. did it just discovered. Like in the last three months, she just discovered, <laughs> two months, just discovered TikTok. So of course, TikTok has all kinds of stuff from good to raunchy to bad to insinuations so something as small as she texts me a tiktok you know what i'm saying or i'm texting her uh, ig or i'm in her dm you know saying something like hey girl i'm I'm in this meeting right now but i'm really thinking about you you know what i mean and it's just it's just building up these moments uh throughout our life and throughout our day that's keeping it flirty. And when you keep it flirty, you keep it fresh. You know what I'm saying? And that is probably the same answer that's expressed in different ways. Hers, because physical touch is one of her love languages, is usually more hands-on. <laughs> mine, because words of affirmation is probably my strong, is usually probably verbal or expressive or communicative in some kind of way. But either way, we, we keep it flirty and keeping it flirty keeps it fresh. And when, oh, we're, so from, when we're away from each other, because, you know, we we're from, uh, well, I'm from Michigan. And so I have to go back to Michigan every now and then. 
And, you know, I'm listening to the radio. So I will, I will send him songs while I'm driving, you know, like I'm thinking about you on this. And then I think, oh, what time I said, I was like, you did not respond to my song. You didn't say nothing. And I was like, Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was in in six meetings back to back. So then I had to listen to her song. We do love love music. And yes, she, she'll send me a song, but I'll make her a playlist. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I made her. I made her a whole playlist of music back in the high school days. You know, this is my playlist, and I'll share it with her and say, "Listen to this throughout the day when you're missing me." And she'll listen to the whole playlist, and it's like a story. So, I mean, this is the most important relationship, human relationship that I have. I'm gonna nurture it. I'm gonna develop it. I'm not gonna look up and have built everything for everybody else yeah. outside of my house and my marriage mm-hmm. and have not spent time to build my wife up and build my marriage. Come if on. we good, our legacy is good. Mm-hmm. If we not good, the children not good, the money not good, the, everything's not good. So I'm going to make sure that I'm going to keep the commitment of my covenant and try to meet and exceed their expectations. That's my goal. Oh, drop the mic. I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that you're also speaking for a marriage conference right now. And would you just pray a blessing over the marriages of those who are listening, whether want to be married or would love for their marriage to be revitalized or just the next level? Certainly. So God, we just thank you for this opportunity just to once again, just to make your name known and to make your name famous and to give you all of the glory. And God, right now we lift up those individuals that are unmarried, that are maybe watching this or listening to this, and they are holding fast to their hopes and their dreams. And that we pray that that they will have an ideal of what marriage is about, what a kingdom marriage is about, and that that will be placed in their hearts and that will be attracted to them. Um, We thank you for every married couple that is here on today, Lord God, that you will truly increase their um, awareness of each other, that you will give them time, that you will allow them to carve out time, that you will give them courage to show up in their marriage, that you will give them courage to be all that you have called them to be for the other person and for their family and their legacy. Yes, and Father, we thank you so much that you have uh, grabbed our focus and grabbed our attention to be committed to what it is that you've called us to do and to be, and we ask for clarity in this space, uh, in the hearts and the minds of your people, and that people will really have a deeper desire to have intentionality to develop their families and develop their marriage. And we honor you and bless you. Thank you for Dr. Shannon and her investment in just human development, human relationships, emotional stability. And we ask that you would heal the emotions and let people have a desire to really, really develop a deeper level of intimacy in every way. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh my God, our session is at 11 o'clock. We gotta go. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) We'll see you for the next episode. Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the greater 
calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.